Hey, what's up? Welcome to Movie Dumpster Season 2, Episode 7. Today we're talking In Pursuit from 2000, directed by Peter Pistor. I'm Joel Escola. I'm Sean O'Rourke. I'm Connor. Just because you can edit doesn't mean you should, McGraw. Oh, here it goes. What the fuck was this? All I want to say is that Officer Coolio is my favorite character of this whole movie. I mean, he's the only one who, well, no, he's pretty bad at his job, too. Uh, he's bad at his job. He's got racist jokes. He, uh, he, but, but, he's kind of cool. He's on the cover of this movie. <laughs> Like, he's an influential part of what happens. I just, like, I've got it. They've got the wiki in front of me, which, by the way, the plot is one sentence. Um, it doesn't even have that much of an entry. And I'm looking at the, the box art has Coolio's head at the top between Claudia Schiffer and Daniel Baldwin. Yeah, it looks like the cover of Double Team with Jean-Claude Van Damme and, uh, and Dennis Rodman. Remember that? <laughs> oh, a little bit. Why didn't you put Dean Stockwell's face on there? Because Dean Stockwell probably tried to rub this out of existence, this poor motherfucker. It's like he just left halfway to the film and was like, I, yeah, I'll come back for a few scenes or two. Do I need to? Can you just, can you blow me up too? Yeah. Well, what happened was he was fucking dialing on his little remote control. He's like he's like he's like, hey, we you gotta fucking you gotta leap now. Uh, 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 we'll, we'll never get to the end of the movie, Danny. You gotta leap now. You'll never get to vampires. <laughs> <laughs> and then he fucking walks through a you know a fucking light wall and disappears. We gotta get to the point where you're smacking around Laura Palmer for ninety minutes. <laughs> Going to the future. We talk about Daniel Baldwin returning to the MDU uh, from uh, yesterday's Target, one of our earliest episodes, episode four mm-hmm. of season one. And uh, I-, I think this is literally the same character in a, in a parallel universe. I don't know. I think he's he- he's still a fucking mutant. He's a Baldwin, so... He has mutant strength in this movie. <laughs> yes, and he has, uh, he has testicles that are impervious to harm. <laughs> You know, you got Coolio and Baldwin in this, and, you know, in my research, uh, I found another film that they fucking somehow got together and made called Stealing Candy. Are they, like, taking candy from children? Is that the crime they're committing? That All of that just left me perplexed. When Sean suggested this film, I had never heard of it, right? And he's like, oh, yeah, fucking Coolio and Daniel Baldwin in this In Pursuit. And I'm like, oh, man, it's a fucking buddy cop movie with Coolio (laughs) and Daniel Baldwin, but it's not. Stealing candy is probably what that is. Maybe. They'll dupe me again. This movie feels like, you know when, like, Jaws came out and there was, like, 100 Italian knockoffs, like, right away? Yes. This feels like it should have been made the year after The Fugitive. Yeah. But it's made, like, 30 years too fucking late. And it's dumb. Yeah, dumb is the word I would use for this movie. Everything is stupid. Everyone is stupid. Uh, They say dumb things to each other that I'm supposed to buy as dialogue. Um, And I don't want to keep ragging on someone's life's work, but who's the writer for this? John Penny? Maybe you should consider never writing again. Like, this isn't even a good, like, AIP movie. No. Like, you know, those dudes, those guys responsible for all those crazy action movies, like, in the 90s, like, the low-budget action shit. Steven Seagal's bread and butter. Fucking Lou Diamond Phillips. Yeah, shit, you'd find, like, Antonio Sabato Jr. in and stuff like that. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So, the plot of this movie is, I'm just gonna read right from the wiki entry, 
An attorney is accused of murdering a powerful man after having an affair with his beautiful wife. That's what you need to know going in. I like how they had to include the word beautiful. Like, they felt that was necessary, whoever wrote that wiki entry. She's fucking werewolfing all over the place, man. <laughs> She's like, uh, oh, Daniel. I can't believe how in tune you are with me on that one. <laughs> I didn't kill my husband or whatever. Oh, no, Paul, you is a werewolf. <laughs> Oh no, you is a lawyer. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess that's pretty much the plot. There's not much else really to it. <laughs> Except like convoluted ass twists. There's so much to break down the first 10 minutes because this fucking gave me whiplash. So this movie fucking kicks off with Daniel Baldwin giving us this fucking noir ass fucking voiceover. It feels like someone writing a parody for what they think noir is. Because it's just like... It's fucking Daniel Baldwin in his, be- like, his smarmiest voice going like, oh, I was trying to live the American dream. Ever run from something for so long, you forget what you're running from? <laughs> you ever hold a burning match all the way to your fingers just to feel some pain? You ever been in pursuit of something, you know, like the American dream and fast women and fast cars and fast food and fast fucking everything? That's that's what I'm in pursuit of, but you can also be in pursuit of other things, like, I don't know, stuff. White Castle. Cigarettes. Vape juice. The end of this movie, I'm in pursuit of that. I have the script. I got it from yesterday's Target. I uh, actually, he seems to be the most bamboozled person in this movie, so I don't think he came into this with a script. He really does. Yeah. It's like he left it in John Hurt's car. <laughs> It's it's like every every scene ends with him going Bruh, like bum bum bum. Well, you know the whole time he's given this voiceover, you you know the first shot of the movie is a literal like Andrew Kramer fireball at the screen, <laughs> and then it's like overlaid on this like fucking beach tide coming in and out with like someone walking through like a parking lot. It's yeah. like three different filters on top of each other. And all the while Baldwin's narrating, I was like, I don't know what to make of this. I don't. I can't make heads or tails here. And this fart saxophone kicking up, like, bwah, 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 bwah. well, you have that guy walk into his car, which becomes important later. But it's like, basically, there's this guy with this Hawaiian fucking shirt on walking by his car. Fucking Al from Quantum Leap. Yep, Dean Stockwell. He he decides, ah, I'm not gonna go in my car. Daniel Baldwin talks some more, then cuts some more beach footage. Cut back to a car exploding. I thought he walked away from the car. What are we doing? I don't know. I I don't know why this entire opening sequence is here or why it's structured the way it is. Because I don't think the person who edited this film knows what a transition is. No, it's just hard cuts left and right. It's hard cuts left and right. And, like, I feel like he had footage of, like, important contextual events. And he was like, no, we don't need that. We can start it here. (laughs) He lost it. (laughs) Oops, I deleted it by accident. Where's that footage? It's like, I didn't think we needed it. I just jettisoned it. It's on the cutting room floor. Save it for the DVD. So, yeah, we have this weird opening. And then Daniel Baldwin's smoking a cigarette in the bathroom while washing his hands? And then his face? He pats his face gently with tap water. I'm not sure what that was supposed to do to his complexion or something, but it's he does it. He's just standing there. He's looking at the fucking mirror in himself, and he clearly is just like the most depressed sad sack on the planet. Yeah. He looks like if Matt Murdock were worse for wear. Like, Oh, he's a Foggy Nelson, for sure. Don't insult Foggy Nelson that way. <laughs> Foggy Nelson's a good Foggy Nelson's a good attorney. This guy sucks at his job. Uh I guess. We never really know because everything is just so fucking Oh, we know because his one case that is this is that we see, the only case we see him him, you know, work in this movie is the opening scene, and he just fucking loses. 
goes up there. He goes to the judge. He goes, yeah, my client, he's been doing some bad stuff. But you know what? He's a dumbass. So can you forgive him? <laughs> he's a dumbass with a heart of gold, folks. Give him, give him a break. What? He keeps going on. Reasonable doubt. Remember those two words. But that'll be completely outdone by the fact that I called my client a dumbass. Do the one thing no one ever did for him. Give him a break. What kind of fucking defense is this? He's like, come on. It's like he got into a fender bender and he was like, there's no damage. He can just leave. He goes and sits down next to his client and the client's like, hey man, why'd you call me a dumbass? And he's like, because you are a dumbass, dumbass. <laughs> he doesn't even deny it. Like maybe for like a hot second because he, you know, he sits down with his uh, other co-worker, Abby, who will be uh, important later in the film. The prosecution uh, might as well be, I'm not sure what fucking side he's on, but the opposing side might as well have jumped up and started exchanging high fives because he goes up and just gives his like, what I assume is like his closing statements. It's just the worst thing ever. I think I could do a better job and I've never taken a day of law school in my life. Well, after he loses the trial, it's like, ah, yeah, sorry, you know, it's the best I could do. And there's this, uh, this woman in the, uh, the, the, you know, watching the, the, watching the trial, this woman, Ann Sutton, and she's, like, part of the prosecution, and I guess she's, like, a bee up his ass all the time, and he's like, you know, you know, you had him dead to rights, you had it on video, why'd you have to, you know, bring his jacket out? The client said he hasn't seen it in three years, and I'm sitting here thinking, a minute ago you called him a dumbass and didn't believe him, now you're, like, concerned about his fucking jacket. Yeah, well, that's, like, a big piece of the evidence in the case, or whatever, and then, like, yeah, exactly, there's, like, video of this guy committing some crime? It's literally only in there so that a later scene can be like, oh, that's a callback. Yeah, or like, oh, shoot, she did the old bait and switch to me too, but not really. I suppose he leaves this... This courtroom, and then a few hours have passed, and then he's at a cemetery, but we don't know, because there's no passage of time shown in this film. No. People just seem to teleport and also have manipulation of time abilities or something. Who did the sound design on this particular moment? Because I, I switched to two different versions of this. To hear some audio, there's nothing. There's like a... <laughs> that's it. For a car crash that supposedly happens like 30 feet away from him, there's no sound. He just ma- he reacts to nothing. So his shoulders jack up, his head turns, I'm like... I thought he just came across this woman by chance. He literally, he hears this like pissant crash, and then he like turns around and goes, Oh my god, a crash. And he like hobbles over. He's like, ma'am, are you okay? <laughs> yeah, she immediately gets out of the car. <laughs> this woman gets out of the car, she's like, I'm fine. Do you want to have sex now or later? He's like, hey, uh... Are you okay in there? She's like, I, I guess. He's like, what happened? You fall asleep or something? She's like, maybe. <laughs> he's like, ah, come on. Yeah, he makes fun of her. Yeah, he's like, ah, come on, get out of there. And I'm like, this woman was just in a serious car accident that completely totaled her, totaled her car. <laughs> like, you shouldn't be fucking moving her. Like, call an ambulance, asshole. Like, what are you doing? He makes a joke. She's like, ah, oh, I don't know what happened. He's like, he looks at the fucking stop sign. He's like, I think you missed the stop sign. <laughs> She's like, ah, oh, yes. He's like, oh, you want me to, uh, because she has like a camera. She's like, oh, I'm a photographer. He's like, oh, I could take some pictures of the uh, accident. You don't want to get uh, you don't want to get sued by somebody. And she's like, oh, are you a lawyer? He's like, how'd you know? I'm not that kind of lawyer though. But hey, fuck it, I'll take a shot in the dark if you want to fuck. I mean, I'm a bad lawyer, so I don't think you really want my services. <laughs> more or less, doing you a favor. This, so he takes pictures of her, and she like takes the camera and just like changes the film right in front of him. And then he's somehow perplexed later on. Um, and then she kind of offers to sleep with him. She's trying to sleep with him. And she goes, the, the, the camera zooms in. She goes, want to get blank later? 
That like the film skips or some bullshit. Is that what happens? I think he says, I don't, I can't be late. And I think she says, do you want to be later? Which is the weirdest, like, one-liner I've ever heard. But it zooms in on her mouth for like a split second. Yeah, it does. Oh, there's a lot of very awkward zoom-ins on people's anatomy in this movie. Yeah, and I'm like, what just happened? Um... And then, yeah, so she insinuates fucking him, and he's like, eh, maybe later. And th- all this time, that fucking fart sax is playing all over this shit. Oh, yeah. It's like, this movie is Spider-Man noir from Spider-Verse, the character. <laughs> Everything is dramatic, intense, and all the dialogue is just, like, supposedly dripping with this, like, you know, sense of, like, faux noir, I guess is what you can call it. Because it's, it's not really, because it's just dumb and stupid, and I would never... Refer to this as noir, not to insult that as not to insult that entire genre of storytelling. It starts off as noir, but then like that just kind of tapers off in the next ten minutes, and and then it becomes a chase movie, and then it becomes like an action movie. And I'm like, what the fuck? So we never see him leave this this crime scene, this crash. We never see this woman leave because slam cut number three. And Daniel Baldwin's just in his fucking car, his tie's undone, and he looks like he's been drinking for hours, and he just picks up this flask and just takes a <laughs> swig, and then immediately gets pulled over! <laughs> like, I'm like, why did he get pulled over? It's like the cop's, like, in a really obvious spot, and he, like, just sees him and just still slugs it down his throat. Cop's, like, this asshole's driving with his fucking roof down, and he's fucking just pouring a swag up to a, a just, flask up to his lips. Yeah, and he's just like, oh, damn it, and he gets pulled over. Oh, shit, of, of all the things that could go wrong. I don't know, Dan. Maybe don't drink and drive. Slam cut to the fucking, to the police, to the precinct and he's getting his pictures taken and he's getting fucking printed. And then here comes Officer Coolio. Oh, man. Who calls him a half a spick? Yeah. He's like, who who is this guy? What's his name? Alvarez? And he's like, yeah, he's a half. Coolio kicks the fucking door down and he's like, yeah, he's a half breed, half spick, half cracker. And I'm like, Holy shit. I wish he wrapped all of his dialogue. Oh, that would have been great. Imagine if, like, Coolio entered this scene. He was like, one, two, three, four. Get that half-breed on the floor. Gotta, gotta get it. <laughs> so then slam cut once again. Coolio's just, like, casually walking fucking Baldwin to his jail cell, I guess. Yeah, apparently they're friends or something. Yeah. By the way, I guess, like, the filmmaker was like, uh, Mr. Coolio, can you, like, change your hairstyle for this role? I mean, you're supposed to be a police officer. He's like, yeah, sure, no problem. And he just, like, you know how, like, Coolio has those crazy fucking, uh, braids, like, sticking all over the place? Now it's just, like, cropped to his head in, like, a mohawk? They're tied to the center of his head. (laughs) And they're just, like, like, what the fuck? He looks like he looks like a frayed string. <laughs> He's cosplaying as a cop just walking around this fucking precinct. He constantly has that nightstick out too. I don't think he puts it away once. And then they start delivering plot that just like comes out of nowhere without yeah. any context or setup or anything and they're just like yeah, it's weird they held you overnight for a DUI. I'm like, it's been night. It, wait a minute, overnight? It's been two minutes. Yeah. Because Coolio is exposition man who walks up and he's like, he's like, yeah, it's pretty weird they're going to hold you overnight for a DUI. He's like, he, or Baldwin says that. And then Coolio's like, you think you're just here for a DUI? And Baldwin's like, what's that supposed to mean? Yeah, you ever heard of this guy, Wells? Well, he died because someone blew up his car while he was in it. Bye. And then we slam cut to Daniel Baldwin in an orange jumpsuit. This scene killed me because it was like, it was the basically. Basically, it's the guy from the beginning who walks up to his car and walks away, and then you see the explosion, except this time, same exact scene, but he just gets in the car. What was the point of the first scene? I don't get that. Uh, To throw you off? I don't know. (laughs) 
for five minutes? He also, in that flashback, when he thinks about the car exploding, he thinks about this fucking Charles Wells character kind of relaxing on this boat, and that's important for later. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Okay. Oh, I just have to say one thing. When when Coolio asks him if he knows Charles Wells, he goes, he, he gets real quiet. He's like, I don't like him. He's a son of a bitch and a liar. <laughs> <laughs> then, like, he gets a visit from Abby, uh, his, who's also his lawyer and his co-worker and friend, will-they-won't-they they person. Um, so, yeah, he's in an orange jumpsuit sitting in this, like, giant pink room? It looks like a fucking studio apartment. What are we doing here? There's like a fucking ladder and shit. They really got their money's worth out of this set. This is a less convincing prison than the one from Ricky Ho. Oh yeah. And that's just like a Walmart with prison bars. (laughs) That fucking prison Ricky Ho has like a tile floor. This looks like a fucking like a condemned building they found. Just slap some bars over some stuff. Yeah. The one in Ricky Ho is like a bathhouse or some shit. This just looks like somebody's like back room apartment or some shit. Baldwin's there and he's he looks like he just finished a whole pack of cigarettes. He's like pacing around and he's like, well, you know, how long are they going to keep me for a DUI? And Abby's like, you think you're here for a DUI? They have you pegged for killing Charles Wells. Blam, blam, blam. They have this ridiculous three-part fucking zoom-in where it comes from like a far shot to a mid-shot to his eye. Yeah. The same shot of Baldwin's eye is used at least six more times in this fucking movie. Uh, it's more than equilibrium, I'll tell you that. So he's so he's charged with blowing up the guy from Quantum Leap. Would you like... Uh, and- as far as we know, based on no fucking evidence, because no. no one's telling us anything. No one's coming to give us all the details as the audience, the viewer. Like, he's in jail. It's not like he's being held somewhere in, like, a holding cell. So, he's been processed and convicted, and he's in jail. And it's like, wait, what? Well, Abby, Abby tells him that, you know, oh, they think because you guys are having an affair, you and uh, Wells' wife. And he's like, she's like, is that true? And he just sits there all, like, quiet. He's like, uh... Yeah. Uh, I, I fucked her a lot. And she's like, did you cross the border last night? And he's like, no. And she's like, I know you don't like Mexico. He's like, I fucking hate Mexico. Dirty water, dirty whatevers. What does he say? We're going to build a giant wall around Daniel Baldwin. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we're going to keep Daniel Baldwin out of here. We don't want him here. Just, just put him on the other side, and we're going to make Alec pay for it. Abby goes, I thought you hated Mexico. You called it a shithole. He goes, yeah, shitty water, shitty language, shitty place. And that's how you know this movie hates Mexico, because that yep. line is uttered at least two more times, and people's perspective of Mexico in this movie is very strange. I'm half Mexican, and I'm just going to shit all over it. Bye. I don't speak the language, even though I do. Oh, fuck that. That's how I cope with it. This whole movie, he's like, I don't speak Spanish. I don't speak Spanish. So, yeah, he's he's accused of, and then just, like, fucking just caves and says, like, yep, fuck that guy's wife a whole lot. Yep. And then she's just like, great, I can't help you, see ya. And then Coolio comes in, and he's like, he's like, man, I don't know why you didn't hook up with her sooner. And I'm like... <laughs> What are you talking about? Well, you know, Daniel Baldwin, he was talking about chasing women in the beginning. I guess. That's all these two think about, man. And then he's just like, yeah, I can't protect you in here, so uh, keep your ass against the wall. And then he fucking leaves. Is that a prison rape joke? Yeah, sure is. Yeah, kind of out of nowhere. Ha ha! It's always the funniest of jokes, right? Not a sensitive subject at all, clearly. Yeah. No, yeah. Before Abby leaves, he's like he remembers the pictures that he took of that woman, and he's like, oh, the, the pictures, oh, the fucking film, I gotta, I'll get the film, that's how I'll clear my name, and he's like, ah, oh, it's in my fucking uh, car 
uh, glove box, but they impounded it. Okay, so why why doesn't she get on a phone and call the fucking like place where it's impounded? How would photos that he took that he is not in offer an alibi? He tells Abby that he has an alibi was that he fucking met this woman with the car crash, and that's why he says, "Oh, I got to get the film roll to show that I'm not making this up." So she can testify that he was there at the time of the explosion. Exactly. But then she's like. Oh well, it's impounded, and he's like, and then she's like, "Oh well, that's evidence for the case." And then he's like, "Ah, oh, fucking Sutton's gonna take it." Uh. Right, because he has like this vendetta against Sutton, but you know, going back to his previous case, I guess. And then she's been like, you know, a problem for him for years or something. Yeah, she, he he thinks that she like plants evidence on people to like convict them or some shit like that like that's the whole thing so abby leaves and then coolio has that exchange that we that we just talked about and then like claudia schiffer struts her fucking pink plastic clad ass to this fucking jail and she's like hi i'm here to see i'm here to see my my friend every inmate because she just walks through like gen pop basically like they're all just staring at her every inmate becomes the wolf from the tex avery cartoon they're just like oh yeah like, well, you know, for a guy that's been arrested possibly for murdering a guy with a car bomb, he sure gets a lot of alone time. He gets alone time in a big fucking room. Well, Coolio is, is leading her on, and he brings her to this fucking room where Baldwin's waiting. And he's like, I'll be back at 6 o'clock. Yeah, be be good, kids. What? He does. He has some really weird dialogue in this movie, if if, you're, if that's not already aware. Completely nonsensical. He probably improved all of this. Uh, that's hilarious. If he did. I hope he did. Um. So Baldwin's like, oh, uh, why, did, why, did, why, you know, what'd you kill your husband for? And she's like, I didn't kill my husband. If I killed him... You know, if he's dead, then I don't get any... We I signed a prenuptial agreement, and if I killed him, I don't get any money. So why did I kill him? And he's like, yeah, well, I'm locked up now because they think I killed him. She's like, well, that's stupid because I don't get any money. So what's your what's their motivation? He's like, why'd you kill him? She's like, why you kill him? I don't know. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Like, what are you... What are they gaining from his death? Like, nothing. Yeah, and, and you know, they, they talk about how, oh, you know, we were going to run off together the same night that this happened, and, you know, then Daniel Bowen's like, oh, actually, man, we shouldn't talk about this here. Yeah, so then he, so fucking Baldwin tells her about the pictures, and he's like, oh, I fucking, uh, there was a car crash, and I took pictures of this woman, and she's my alibi. You gotta go get the roll of film. At the impound that is now under jurisdiction of the police <laughs> like, why isn't abby going there right from the fucking prison i don't know why doesn't abby go right to sutton and tell her that tell her that yeah that's why i said everyone in this film is bad at their jobs so then they're she's like i didn't kill him and i will get you i'll get the film and get you out of here and he's like okay let's fuck and he fucking grabs this woman and throws her against a ladder and they start fucking on the ladder. They're using it as a prop. The ladder just propped up in this fucking room as if, like, a, a maintenance worker just left to get, like, I don't know, a soda from the fucking vending machine or something. <laughs> yeah. It's just it's just up. It's just in the middle of this fucking room. It's just a fuck ladder. They're straddling it. They're grabbing onto it. Oh, this was so, like... Gross. He just shoves his face down into her crotch area, and she's just writhing, and it's, it's all filmed with his... I don't want to be that close to his face, okay? Ah, uh, eat my pussy on the ladder. Thank you, Daniel. We we get a repeat of that uh that fucking fireball overlay on top of this. <laughs> 
I guess that's supposed to mean orgasm. I guess because she, she he's eating her for like a good, a solid two minutes, and she's just moaning, and Coolio's hanging out outside the door, fucking whacking off like man. And he's like looking in the fucking door, and he's like, oh man, this guy got charged for murder, and he still gets more pussy than I do. He's like laughing, and he's like just shuts the fucking like little door. <laughs> we cut from Coolio back to you know fucking Daniel and uh, Catherine here finishing up, and Catherine's putting her lipstick on, smoking a cigarette, and then I I I, he, I guess. He's like, you know, going on about, oh, please, you got to get that film, get the film. And she's like, hey, remember the body you were just inside of? <laughs> and then the, and I, I don't know what that was implying. But Coolio comes in. And I, I again, I think I said this a few weeks ago, saying sometimes I wish this was a, a video podcast. But he comes in, he puts his hands together, and he goes, okay, kids, it's six o'clock. I want to go home and have sex, too. And then leaves. <laughs> Which, honestly, is a pretty appropriate reaction, because God knows how long they were in there, and he's just sitting there like, I have stuff to do. like <laughs> Checking his watch, like letting it go on until they're finished. I could say something, but man, this guy's my friend. For no reason. Like, how did he help this guy? We go way back. Then we get our second prison rape joke. Uh... Coolio's walking Catherine out, and the inmates are all lined up. And he goes, oh, yeah, you're driving them wild. He's like, the way you're dressed is going to make somebody a bitch tonight. Yeah, they're going to make a lot of people their bitches tonight looking at you. And there's this dude, like, fucking doing the pussy-eating fucking gesture with his mouth and his fingers. Well, then she lifts her fucking skirt up, and they all look at her ass, and this one guy goes, like, fucking ape shit. Coolio goes, goes, yeah, you're, making them, you're driving them crazy. He's like, how about I up the stakes? And then she fucking pulls up her skirt, and you see her whole ass everything you see you see everything because like her ass is just eating that fucking underwear like everything is just shoved inside yeah <laughs> and it's like this gratuitous close-up of it and uh then all hell breaks loose and they start like fucking going nuts and then coolio beats a bunch of guys with his nightstick and he and he, and he goes up to her and looks her in the face and holds her beat and goes what the fuck is wrong with you, lady? I don't know. I took like four quaaludes before I left house. Where am I? I just had the I had the fucking fifth of vodka. What do you want from me? She's like, my back hurts. I have rail marks on them from that ladder. <laughs> I have a case of lather back. How could you stand that for more than a few seconds? It's like, oh, it's Ricardo, this metal. Her ass just has those, like, fucking bumps in it where you step on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm so hot on the ladder. So, uh, yeah, he's like, he's like, D don't be fucking with my homeboy because, you know, my reach is long. And he's like, he's like, I thought that was just a myth. Hehe, <laughs> black people's penises. Uh, yeah, we go from that nugget. <laughs> Baldwin has his trial. And Abby's, of course, his lawyer, but she, you know, tells him, oh, I couldn't find the film. It wasn't in your glove box, like you said. She gets up there and she's like, my client, who's a dumbass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's like, hey, dumbass, did you tell anybody else about the film in your glove box? He's like, and then it like flashes to him fucking Catherine. And he's like, ah, uh, no. The answer is no. I didn't tell anybody about the film. Where did you ask me? It's four o'clock. <laughs> I was thinking about eating pussy on a ladder. I don't know. I got a little sand in my chin. <laughs> um, and then I th Sutton's on the defense, is she not? Yeah, when she has this fucking old lighter of his that he apparently has engraved, and he's like, oh, fuck, how'd they find that? They found, like, his ladder at the scene, and that's how they blame him. Yeah, they find his lighter, she's like, you see his ladder at the scene? Yeah. <laughs> We know you fucked on this ladder. This is your sex ladder. Your Honor, when he sees this ladder, 
He starts fucking. Exhibit A, the ladder. Exhibit B, the stain he left. (laughs) And then exhibit C, his engraved lighter that we found at the scene of the explosion of Charles Wells. The judge is like, who fucks in a ladder? What? Anyway, guilty. Yeah, and then he's like, I haven't used that lighter in three years. And it's like, huh, remember that when you said to that guy, when that guy said he hadn't worn that jacket in three years? That's a callback to two and a half minutes ago. With that other Mexican guy that I was, that I was defending in law his fucking case for. Speaking of, Daniel Ball, when he gets on the phone, he's trying to get in contact with Catherine because the fucking film wasn't in the glove box. And it's like, this phone number's been terminated. He's like, son of a bitch. Yeah. And this fucking dumbass guy comes down this, like, uh, staircase. Enrique. And he has a shift to his neck. <laughs> he's like, hey, you fucking think of a dumbass, Holmes? And he punches him in the face and holds him up against the wall with, like, the knife to his neck. And he's like, and then he, like, confesses. He admits to all his crimes. Yeah, he's like, I planned a bunch of them and we robbed a bunch of shit. And then Coolio fucking runs up the stairs and beats the piss out of this guy with a nightstick. He hits him in the back of the leg with it. Yeah. We're back in the studio apartment. The fucking ladder's still there. The paint buckets and the fucking under construction tape is still up. Is this his cell? Because shit. I guess. We never actually see him in the cell. It's a fucking luxury cell, if that's the case. It's gorgeous. It's got a nice, bright, pastel wallpaper. It's got it's spacey. It's got a table for him to sit at. It's got a clock. Fucking Ray Liotta's making gravy in the back. I can't remember how he um he he puts two and two together, but he's like, hey, I I remember that movie Die Hard, and he <laughs> and he fucking crawls up into the vents. Yeah, and I guess the reason this ladder has been propped up the entire time is so we just make sure we know we remember it because it's there's a shot of it just positioned com- perfect beneath a vent that doesn't look like a human could fit through it and then it just cuts and then Coolio comes in and Daniel Baldwin's gone he's like son of a bitch and it just cuts to fucking Daniel Baldwin's fat ass crawling to a fucking ventilation shaft I was just gonna say how did he squeeze his fat fucking ass through that <laughs> through that vent hole is he like fucking uh, Tim Allen in the Santa Claus <laughs> it's like a bowl full of jello <laughs> Well, well, the thing that kills me is Coolio doesn't figure it out right away. He, like, gets another guy. He's like, did you let him out? Yeah. He's like, no. <laughs> he walks in. There's a ladder and a, and a ventilation shaft, and he's like, how'd he do it? Well, he goes up to it, and he hits it like the Fonz, and the thing just falls down no problem. He's like, ah, shit. <laughs> Why did we leave this thing in here? Who did this? This fucking Rick McClain climbing through the fucking vents. <laughs> Ricardo McLean. He comes up to a to a fucking air vent with a propeller, and he just sticks his arms in there. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, it's thank God that was like plastic, because you'd be losing a couple of fingers otherwise. Let me tell you something. This fucking fan would just chop his hand off. He wouldn't just like touch it. Like he he first he sticks his hand in it, and it like fucks his hand up. But he's like, ah, god damn it! And then he fucking uses his mutant strength, and then just punches his arm into it, and stops the fucking fan. At least Idle Hands had the sense to fucking stick a shoe in there. Yeah. So he uses his fucking Terminator arm to stop the goddamn fan. And again, like, he's squeezing his fucking fat ass through this little hole, <laughs> like, in between the fan. I don't know how this is filmed, because, like, he is, he is very clearly too big for this fan. And they had these close-ups where, like, he's just squeezing through a much bigger gap that's clearly a different... Like, this looks so stupid and claustrophobic and nonsensical um and then he crawls this fucking vent and then he drops down where does he drop down he like fucking andy dufresne's into this like fucking washroom or like laundry room or some shit yeah yeah he fucking parkours up this wall and then runs and jumps out this fucking window onto like literally on top of a barbed wire fence and then falls over he jumps 
out of this fucking window and crotches a fence that's got barbed wire <laughs> on top of it and barely reacts. And it's the clumsiest looking shit you'll ever see. He hits and he's like, ah, eep, ah, ooh, ah, and then just fucking hits the ground. Well, he just barrels over the top of the fence, not a single cut on him. But then I cut, he doesn't cut his clothes, nothing. And then just fucking hits the dirt, like, runs for a minute, and then everyone's like, oh, escape con, blah, blah, blah. He's like Ted Bundy, fucking escaping the Colorado Police Department. Out of the fucking library? And then the fucking Hummers come out and start chasing him. I was waiting for space balls to fucking come out of that thing. <laughs> fucking Hummers and like an Ed 209 rolls out. There's like armored fucking trucks rolling out of this fucking place to, to track him down. And then like he runs for a minute and I, I don't know what the fuck this prison is, but like he runs to a small cliffside. Piccolo and Android 20 are fucking fighting above the fucking mountain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just, it's just, it's that nondescript wasteland and like he just... He gets this, this, like, edge, and he looks behind him, and he realizes he's being chased. So he just jumps off, and then his fucking fat ass, like, just hits the ground and just beat, like, eats shit. He just beefs it. Um, gets up and just somehow manages just outrun everybody. Yeah. A fucking rattlesnake bites him in the ass. Yeah. He, he like, drops to this cliff, and, like, this fucking rattlesnake is about to sh- bite him, and he's like, gah! And he jumps off a cliff. And then he, like, then he hears them coming. By the way, they don't, th- these cops don't have German shepherds. They have literal bloodhounds like hound dogs like bumpus's fucking dogs on leashes then there's like one cliff and this cliff has to be at least 20 feet maybe more in the air right this motherfucker jumps off and just lands and just rolls out of it and he's like i'm fine i'm like motherfucker your legs are broken i'm assuming he's somewhere between like five and six feet like dude just dangle off the edge and drop like it's gonna hurt like a son of a bitch but you just ran and jumped off this fucking cliffside well he's got the adrenaline pumping man it's like it's like the fugitive but like he just sucks at everything so like even his escape attempt is filled with just like mistake and goof after goof but somehow the cops are even worse than he is because he fucking stumbles around until he finds the deportation center and he just like waves some random dude over and uh it cuts and the cops show up and they like try to make you think he got on the bus that's going out you know back to Mexico and the cops chase down the bus. The deportation officers are like rounding all these people up and putting them on a bus. He's like, bueno, no bueno. Get in line. Get on the fucking bus. And then like Sean said, you know, we see this dude walk on the bus with like a plastic bag and you're thinking, okay, that's fucking Baldwin. So the cops are like, fuck, he's on the bus. Stop the bus. And then the fucking Hummers like basically like run this fucking bus off the road and the fucking, they bring the Bubbus' dogs on the fucking bus and they sniff it out and they find out it's just a t-shirt. Meanwhile, Baldwin like runs into this fucking random campsite in the middle of nowhere yeah he just finds this magically and like is going through this person's tent like while they're sleeping and like taking their clothes and like their backpacks and shit he looks at like this wad of like two or three hundred dollars he's like all right score he goes he goes ah yes and he fucking kisses this like stack of money then he breaks into this fucking uh house or something this building on the side of the road it's like a bathroom of a convenience store or some shit yeah and and he looks in the mirror at himself and he gets a fucking flashback to the first scene when he was looking in the mirror yeah like that was supposed to mean something like i used to be a lawyer that i used to be a really bad lawyer that smoked cigarettes i was a lawyer damn it (laughs) he had he had no injuries on him and now all of a sudden he has these two very distinct cuts above his eyebrows yeah they make him look like a fucking cartoon character the rest of the film yep this fucking truck pulls up and somebody gets out literally for like a second and i don't know gets a coke from the coke machine and then like jumps back in the car and he like 
He's running towards the back of this truck, right? And then the scene just cuts. You don't see him jump on the car or anything. It just cuts to him crawling in what looks like the back of the truck. That's what I thought. And I'm like, okay, like he just dove in the back. I was like, okay, he just like dove in the back. No, he's on the roof of this fucking truck, truck going down the fucking road. This is the best sequence of the whole film easily. I swear this had to have been added after like the fucking, I don't know, the director, the writer was like, you ever seen Indiana Jones? <laughs> it just had to be a cougar. He opens the, t- he's, he sees, he looks down the road and he sees that ahead that there's cops. He's like, ah, oh, fuck. And he like opens the top of this the back of this truck and like jumps down inside and there's a fucking cougar <laughs> chained up in the back of this truck. Thank God it was chained up. I mean, I was sitting there wondering why they were going to chain this fucking thing up. They're moving it anyway. Uh, okay. E- chained or not, this thing should have killed him. It fucking goes after him and cut and bites him in the shoulder and he like falls over in the corner. In fact, I think the cougar might be the thing that actually gave him those forehead cuts. Now that I'm thinking about it, it might not have been all the other shit. So the cop stopped the truck and he's like, and the cops are like, hey, uh, who are you? Where are you coming from? And the guy rolls his window down. And he's like, uh, I don't know. The guy rolls his window and goes, <laughs> yeah. He looks like stoned as hell. He's like spacing out. And the cop's just like, uh, are you okay there? He's like, yeah, man. Yeah, where are you from? <laughs> I don't get the point of this character because the woman next to him is like, we're conservationists, man. We just went, we just came from the fucking Whitechapel Forest or whatever. Like, are they? Is that a dig at like environmentalists or some bullshit? Like, I, I guess. don't get that either. Fucking tree hugging reefer smokers. Damn hippie. Now the fucking cougar like takes a bite out of Baldwin and he falls over in the back, and they're like, "What the fuck was that?" Ah! And then this fucking woman's like, all right, look, we have a cougar in the back. And he's like, what the fuck, a cougar? And then all of a sudden you hear like the cougar sound like, and and then one of the other cops goes, yep, sounds like a cougar, chief. Think about what you're saying right now. And then we're talking about a movie where Daniel Baldwin gets arrested and falsely accused and breaks out of jail and a cougar attacks him. In the back of a truck. He's in the back of a truck with a cougar. How does no one hear the, like, you should hear the scuffle. Like, you should hear both parties involved in this. You see, like, row. Yeah, sounds like a cougar. Ah, my shoulder. That sounds like a cougar, too. <laughs> they do. But then they're just like, all right, move along. Get out of here. And he drives away in the back with the cougar. These aren't the cougars we're looking for. Exactly. So then I'm thinking, like, all right, this motherfucker's just going to, like, fall out of the side of the truck. Nope. He's like, all right out through the indoor and then like jumps up and grab because in the back of this fucking truck is a cage there's like a tarp over it but it's like a cage it's like a covered uh army truck and there's a cage in the back and he's like he like reaches his hands up and grabs the top of the bars and tries to like monkey bar to the fucking to the opening the hatch and as he's going to the hatch he's he's not even hanging a foot off the ground like his whole body's just suspended in air so i don't know why he's monkey barring right this fucking cougar jumps up and like bites him in the dick and is like ripping his pants off and he's just like ah shit and he's swinging around from the fucking bars with this cougar attached to him and somehow manages to shake it off and crawl out the top of the fucking truck and then just like fall asleep on the top of this truck as it rides into town you can't even give him credit for this escape because it's just a series of like really fortunate outter- outcomes for him because this is like the goofiest thing i've ever seen he just f- constantly fucks up and then just like fucks up out of a situation like it's, it's all completely accidental <laughs> why is this here i don't know <laughs> 
it I have no answer for that. Like I said, this feels like a, a fugitive ripoff, and were they watching Fugitive and going like, you know what that movie was missing? Harrison Ford like fighting a bear or something. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. A cougar. So he he literally rides this truck into fucking town, and it's like broad daylight, and he's still hanging off the back of it like he's Marty McFly. Yeah. And he just jumps off, and he's like, "Yep, thanks for the ride." And then he like walks by this pa- this guy's selling newspapers. And uh, he's like, I don't speak Spanish, bye. And he walks away, and then the guy, like, lifts the newspaper up, and, like, his mugshot is in the newspaper. Oh, wow, we know he's in town now. Just for Sutton to be like, oh, yeah, this fucking newsie told me that he saw him on the corner, so he must be here in fucking wherever town this is, Mexico. Sutton's police work looks like she just waits for other people to hand her information. She's like, well, better go, I guess, talk at somebody. So, yeah, he sneaks into the fucking funeral, and now he has, like, this amazing jacket. I guess he spent that guy's fucking money he stole on a nice jacket. <laughs> it's a fucking funeral in broad daylight, and, like, the service has just ended, and Daniel Baldwin's going, Psst, Catherine! Psst, Catherine, come over here, Catherine! So she comes over, she's like, what? Where have you been? Why? I thought you were in the jail. And he's like, he's like, oh, where's the pictures? I need to clear my name. She's like, I don't, I don't have them. And he's like, you gotta get them developed. Uh, yeah, so she doesn't have the pictures. I can't remember how, why, or she doesn't have the pictures. Okay, from what I remember, she's like, they weren't there or something, or I didn't go yet to get them, and he's like, what do you mean you didn't go yet? Ah! Or she has the role of film, but she hasn't gotten them developed. It's on my to-do list! <laughs> I I just crossed this funeral off. Now I'm going to go to one-hour photo. She was like, ah, Sutton kept knocking on my door, kept asking about it, so I couldn't do anything about it right away. What is, what was it, like, <laughs> is he home? No. All right, I'll be back 10 minutes <laughs> just walks around the block <laughs> is he home yet he's she's like here here's my cell phone number on the postcard that i happen to have in my purse that oh my gave god me. this postcard and then she like writes her cell phone number down she's like meet me at the lighthouse at 12 o'clock bye this postcard is the fucking limpest mcguffin i've ever seen <laughs> it's fucking stupid oh you kept it he says yeah like like we're supposed to like the audience is supposed to know what this is about or yeah. have like any connection to it it's like this postcard or this this fucking beach scene when it says la paz on it and we get the backstory for this by word of mouth from him not we're not even like sh- like there's a flashback but nothing happens it's a fucking postcard from fucking uh that beach in dark city that no one knows how to get to <laughs> <laughs> do you know how to get to la paz yeah you just go down to yeah, I can't remember. I don't know. Bye. I lost my memory. <laughs> Imagine if he could, if he could, if he could uh, what is it, cuning, tuning in this movie? Yeah. <laughs> Just does shit with his mind. I think that's what happened to him. Coolio is one of them guys, like, in the trench coats. Coolio's like, shut it down. Shut it down forever. <laughs> so Sutton shows up to the, to the funeral and... and and Catherine's like, oh, you have impeccable timing because the funeral's happening. Thanks a lot, Sutton. And Sutton's like, look, I just, look, fucking Daniel Baldwin broke out of jail and he's I, he, he's going to come talk to you eventually. And he's like, she's like, you know, I had a fucking dog and that dog chewed through a fucking chain link fence to fuck another dog. So I, I, I know that so you see what I'm saying here. The analogy like Daniel Baldwin wants to fuck you. I won't be the bitch in this conversation or something. Yeah. Well, you know, and the, the whole joke is like, you know, when she, you know, she makes the stupid dog fucking analogy and, you know, you know, Catherine's like, you know, ah, I liked you better when you were making the horny dog jokes. <laughs> and then gets in the car and drives away. 
Yes. So Daniel Baldwin gets a ride with this, like, white-ass family to San Diego. And the guy's like, ah, thanks, sport. Thanks, Chip. Anytime. And uh, Daniel Baldwin's, like, looking around. And he goes up to a hot dog stand and buys a coffee. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, he gets he fucking hitchhikes to a hot dog stand. Well, he goes to leave. He's, like, looking around for uh, Catherine because she's going to meet him there. And this fucking guy that, get, that, you know, gave him a ride comes up to him. He's like, hey, uh, here's my handy cam. Can you, uh, you know, can you, can you video us real quick? He's like, oh, I'm kind of busy. He's like, come on, man. We just we just drove you somewhere. <laughs> He's like, oh, I guess. Yeah. He takes his camera and he starts videoing him. And the dad's like, oh, we finally made it to San Diego, the whole family. The dad takes his coffee and the, and the postcard, by the way, with the cell phone number on it. And, like, puts it down, like, in front of his kid. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And then he's like, all right, video, video us. Yeah, so he does that, and, you know, he's videoing him, but he's, like, kind of not really paying attention, and then Catherine pulls up, and he literally, this this dad is going on about the trip they're on, (laughs) and he he starts fucking recording Catherine pulling up and, like, using the zoom function on the camera. Yeah, here we are down on the beach, and Daniel Baldwin's like, It sounds like fucking Robocop's walking down the street. It does. It's, It's so loud. And he's fucking miming to Catherine. She's in the car, like, a hundred feet away, and he's like, you got the pictures? You got the pictures? And he's, like, holding up his other hand. She's like, no, I don't want the picture. What do you mean? She throws her arms up and goes, nope, sorry. And then he just sees this other van in the distance using the zoom function. I mean, dude, put the camera down. Just fucking look in front of you. All the while, the dad is still going on, like, we, I can't believe we finally made it to San Diego, folks. He, the, the dad who's looking directly at Dave, Daniel Baldwin because he has to talk into the camera waits, like, 30 solid seconds before he's like, hey, you want to film us? He just keeps going while Daniel Baldwin's filming these two strangers. <laughs> Well, and then after all that, when he finally confronts Baldwin about it, you know, the scene essentially ends because Sutton pulls up and Baldwin just hands back the camera and hides behind this dude's car. Yeah, but right before that, he goes to hand the camera back to the dad and the little kid's like, I got it, and kicks the coffee over onto the fucking postcard. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry about your card, mister. And Baldwin's like, it's fine, just get in the fucking car. Yeah, because he's like, oh, can you you drive me somewhere else? And the guy's like, yeah, sir, sure, buddy, even though you just didn't do that video for me whatsoever no problem <laughs> i'll drive you somewhere like you filmed my family as in not at all <laughs> little cup kicker he fucking just throws his ball at daniel Baldwin, but like airballs it like a motherfucker and it just like lands right next to sutton where she's like fucking putzing around yeah so sutton picks up the ball and like walks it over to the family and she's like hey your registration's expired. He's like, fuck you, this is a rental. And then she throws the ball back to the kid. All the while, Baldwin's, like, ducking behind the car, like, looking through the window at her. Yeah, he's, like, laying down in the back seat, like, oh, my God. He's like, oh, shit. So Baldwin look, checks his postcard, and I nearly lost my mind during this little moment because the coffee um, has magically erased the last four digits of this number and I don't mean, like, smudged them so they're, you know, not legible. I don't mean, like, you know, blurred them. The the ink is gone. There's no vestiges of it. Like, what the fuck? Was there rubbing alcohol in his coffee? Was the fucking postcard laminated? What the fuck happened? I mean, he did buy it from a hot dog stand, so I wouldn't be that surprised. So, yeah, this <laughs> the fucking ink is gone. Um... Uh, and so he's like, shit. And he just sighs. He just goes, ah, shit. So the only logical next step is to go break into the mansion. Well, he's like juking and driving around. He's like trying to look like he's fucking Ethan Hunt. Yeah. Now, 
are you telling like I just I now this scene isn't in the movie because we just cut to him like on the grounds of this fucking estate. But like, do you think like that he was like he's like all right, all right, Dad, now make a left here, and she's like, oh, all right, all right, Daniel Baldwin, nice knowing you, dropping you off in front of the mansion. This is your house. Where's your car? Bye. He's trying to sneak in past the armed guards. They're like waving at him. Nice to meet you, Rick. Armed guards. It's like an electrician, like, in a plumbing van in the front of the house. So, yeah, Baldwin is, I'm assuming, this is Catherine's house? By default. The Wells' mansion? (laughs) I guess. Yeah, and he's, like, looking around. Where the hell did she put that? Oh, where is it? Where is it? That fucking fucking idiot mom from Holiday Swap walks down the stairs while he's doing this. He's like, fuck, wrong wrong house. Where's the dryer? Margarita, where's my drink? (laughs) He's like, oh, no, more Mexican. He's like... He's like, that was my mom. She died in a fire. He finds the computer and like, I guess she just left it on the screen where she was like buying tickets to fucking Mexico. It says win a trip to Cabo on the fucking thing. Right before this, he like looks in the closet and there's no clothes in it. There's just bare hangers. And I'm like, red flag number one, dude. He gets on the computer. He's like, that bitch. He has a lot of blind trust in this woman who's having an affair and her husband with him. Yeah. You're very dishonest. You must be very trustworthy. He, uh, he doesn't understand any of like what anything means because he's never heard of a computer and uh, he just writes down a number he finds on a piece of paper. No, no, no. That is not what happens because he pulls a fucking Axel Foley and like takes the pencil and like rubs the indentation of whatever was written previously on the notepad. Well, he does that. He pockets that fucking pencil lead piece of paper and then he sees this cable guy, you know, dash in with a gun and he literally dolphin dives off this fucking balcony into a different room. I don't know how this dude like just approached the house didn't hear a large what has to be 200 <laughs> 20 pound man just like leap onto the fucking floor he hits that floor so f- he like belly flops i know he hurt himself when he did that was this like daniel baldwin's like i can do all my own stunts they're like can you just, uh, all right i mean you physically can doesn't look very good like listen dan we don't want you to hurt yourself okay and he's like i got this and he just fucking falls flat on his fucking face director's like this stupid piece of sausage like <laughs> He does kind of look like a sausage. Oh, by the way, the re- I think the reason that the guy... So the electrician gets out of his van and he, like, breaks into the house with, like, with a gun drawn. I guess he was, like, an undercover cop. Because- and when Daniel busts the fucking uh, door open, he punches through the glass, a silent alarm is tripped. Oh, right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But, like, why would the guy immediately run upstairs? And then Daniel Baldwin just, like, kind of hides behind the couch for a second and then, like, spins around and goes out the back door. So the alarm had to go off, send a message to the cops, then the cops had to call the guy in the van and be like, get in there! Somebody's broken into the place! So, yeah, then Daniel just, like, just fucking escapes out the back door. Well, he escapes and he just sneaks into, you know, it's like a weird fucking POV shot like he's the killer of a fucking horror movie of him watching uh, Abby like get into her apartment. I mean, he might as well be. He just fucking, uh, you know, bum rushes her at the door. She's like, oh my God. Scares the shit out of her. Puts the old foot in the fucking door as she's closing it. She's like, hey. He's like, you got any cigarettes? I need some booze. I usually get them from Coolio, but he's not around. <laughs> he's miles away. So he runs Abby down on what's what's happening and she kind of believes him but not really and she's like well how we everybody wants these fucking photographs okay and that's that's what's gonna clear his name the fucking photographs well she's the first person to make a logical point she goes who's to say these aren't already destroyed he's like well it's my only hope so i hope not exactly and then you know he's he starts to explain like what's going on and she immediately calls sutton she's like you're an escaped criminal and uh she's like hello this is sutton and then he like 
grabs the phone out of her hand and hangs up on her. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, that's not going to come back in five minutes. Yeah. Um, and that's the that's the that's the um, that's the precursor to his one move. Yeah. First, it's take something out of your hand, and then it's take your hand. So he's like, she's like, we got bup kiss, and he's like, wait a minute, I got this, and he whips out the piece of paper that he fucking scribbled on, and he gives it to her, and she's like. I'm going to hack into the banking account or whatever. GBI Global? Global Banking Accounts Incorporated? And then she's like, I can't find anything. She's like, hold on, Kimasabi. I think I got it. She goes, spank my ass and call me Stanley. I found <laughs> the account number. He's like, I love when you talk dirty. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck? Did the writer of the film have their kid write a few lines just for fun? Well... The following sequence lead me to believe that that theory is true. I'm thinking to myself, like, did any of these people stop and be like, hey, you know, that kind of sounds stupid. Like, I don't want to say that. When they said cut, Daniel Baldwin turned and said, you know, that line you just improvised was just, you know, one of the best. I really like that. They find the, the account and where it's supposed to be, and they're like, all right, I traced it back to this other person at this fucking textile company. And then him and... Abby, go to this fucking biodome ass looking no biodome ass looking building. Do you remember biodome? Barely. No. Okay. The entryway and the outside of that building looks exactly like the outside of this building. And I'm like, ah, that's another Baldwin movie. Here you go. She goes in there and she's like, gives a fake name yeah. to the receptionist. And the receptionist is like a real whack job. She's like ripping the paper out of her hand. Oh, this fucking cat woman. Th- like this and the cougar scene share a lot in common because like in the middle of your like sleuthing movie about a man trying to clear his name for being pa- falsely accused of blowing up a wealthy man. Um, and like weird sex scenes, it's like, let's introduce some comedy to this movie. Yeah, and it's so off kilter. Like, am I supposed to laugh at this because you're making a joke or because it's stupid? Abby has a cat in a previous scene, and, uh, you know, this receptionist, as, you know, Abby's waiting, says, Oh, Calico Cat. And Abby's like, Huh? Yeah, excuse me? She's like, Oh, the, the, the hair on your jacket. She's like, Oh, oh. I didn't notice. She's like 60 feet away from her. Yeah, you know, a cat lady knows her fucking fur, man. <laughs> Calico? <laughs> She's like, I remember my cat. It's dead. Little Lula, the cat. I was going to buy a new one, but I'm so broken up about it. <laughs> it's okay. I have 13 more. So the phone rings and she picks up the phone and she's like, oh, huh? Okay. And then her fucking eyes narrow at Abby and she's like, yep, got it. She's like, uh, um, Miss, uh, what's her name? Miss, uh, Miss Alexander. Yeah, Miss Alexander. She's like, uh, Miss Alexander's not here, even though I told you she just was. But, uh, you know, I can take your name and your number and all that shit. And she, this woman gets up and, like, gets all up in fucking Abby's shit. And she's like, uh, uh, I need your number. You can't leave without telling me. She's like, nope, I'm good. I'll, I'll just come back later. She's like, no. And then, uh, she, like, yells at the security guard. She's like, she's like, uh, Paul, stop her! And she and Abby like runs out of the biodome building. And this guy, this guy runs down the ramp and goes, "Stop! Stop you!" And then just never pursues her after that. And she runs to her car. Yeah, and then Abby runs across a fucking ice lake and you know goes under some guy's leg and she gets away. <laughs> wow! She gets back to her apartment and she's basically like, "Yeah, it didn't work out." Uh, but, uh, what, what, you know, I think Catherine's in on this, so, uh, maybe that's the way to figure this out. How dare you? She's an honorable woman. Yeah, I love her. 
And then apparently Abby has like a secret crush on this fucking guy. I guess there, there's like this unspoken thing like Coolio dropped a hint in the beginning of the movie. But like I guess like they've been working together and they're just like they just never never got together even though they love each other secretly or some bullshit. Because they work together I guess. Yeah. Then there's like another bit of comedy here where she's like I got chased by a thing and this woman this crazy cat lady did this thing and Miss Alexander's not there and something 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 how did jay i had a crazy day at the office honey and i'm like this is fucking stop it's it's like a five minute chunk of like the most boring thing you could possibly think of in a weird ass daniel baldwin movie yeah i it just keeps getting weirder from here now sutton fucking knocks on that old door she's like i 69 (laughs) you what oh i excuse me i star six nine (laughs) you i 69 (laughs) you Not yet. She's like, oh, I'm sorry. And Sutton's like, I mean, do you want to? What? Nothing. I'm leaving. Sutton's dropping hints all over this conversation. Baldwin's like hiding in the fucking closet, but he's got like the door open for some odd reason. (laughs) Right? Just close it. And Sutton's like, ah, can you get me a drink of water? I'm parched. And, you know, Abby's like walking to the sink, getting to the water. And it's like, you know, fucking Baldwin's eye lines meeting both of theirs. I don't know how he doesn't get caught. And the cat, like, you know, is pawing at him. And she's like... Huh, what's with that cat near your closet? And uh, Abby's like, whoa, just, uh, yeah, you know, he wants one of the sweaters. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh, Boris, get out of there. You're a dead giveaway. And, like, Baldwin, like, hands her a sweater. And she, like, dangles it in front of the cat. And she's like, all right, I don't know. Maybe he wants another sweater. <laughs> and then just, like, takes the cat and, like, throws him away somewhere. <laughs> she throws it out the window. She's like, anyway. <laughs> so Sutton's like, so have you heard from from Daniel Baldwin and she's like nope and she's like yeah well I gotta let you in on something we found these recordings of him and Mr. Wells and guess what he was blackmailing Mr. Wells for 10 million dollars and she's like okay and she's like yeah well you know I just you know we should we should work together we're two strong women in our field that's predominant like dominated by men and you know we can work together on this she's like I don't wanna you're an asshole. She's like, well, your your breasts are nice. Bye. No, she goes, nice tits. That's exactly what she says. She goes, nice tits. Pregnant pause. Just kidding. See you later. And then leaves. She goes back to her car and cries. She's like, nice tits. What were you thinking? Yeah. Way to blow it, Sutton. <laughs> So, you know, then, you know, Rick kind of stumbles out of the closet and is like, uh, okay, she's gone. Great. And she's like, well, can you explain yourself? He's like, explain what? She's like, the conversation you just overheard? He's like, uh, you know, don't fuck with me. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> First, he's like, you know, don't worry about it, blah, blah, blah. She's like, just tell me or I'm telling Sutton. And he fucking grabs this woman. He's like, don't fuck with me, lady. I swear to God, I will smack you around for the next however long is in this movie. She's like, what are you going to do, hit me or something? He's like, oh, shit. I actually out... Out loud when this when this happened, she's like, "What are you talking?" Like she, when she confronts him out loud, I was like, "No, Abby, don't do it. It's Daniel Baldwin. <laughs> He's a crazy drunk. He'll punch you. <laughs> he will hit you in the face." Well, she she asks uh, Rick. She's like, "Why the hell were you in Mexico?" And he's like, "I can't say." And she's like, "If you don't tell me right now, I'm gonna go get Sutton." He's like. He's like mulling it over, and she just is like, fuck this. She goes to the door, swings it open, and just starts. She just yells, "Sutton!" Yeah, down the fucking stairwell. And he's like, "All right, look, uh." I did do the blackmail thing, but I'm not going to explain everything just yet. <laughs> Sutton comes up. She's like, she's like, oh, so like dinner at eight or what? And she's like, <laughs> no, you, you you forgot your Advil. And she hands her the, the fucking bottle of aspirin. And she's like, oh, and she's like, uh, is that it? And she's like, no. Nice tits. Just kidding. Door slam in the face. 
And then Sutton walks away with a smile on her face like, yeah, maybe, maybe. Pats herself on the back. Baldwin finally breaks down and starts copping to uh, this, this blackmail thing. I have to give a perfect visual for how the twist of this movie enters the film. It's as it, like if you were sitting at a dinner table and Batman crashed through your skylight is how this twist enters the film. <laughs> it's a comp- it, like it's not a surprise and like, a, oh, a dramatic turn. It's a surprise of like, what the fuck? What do you mean? Yeah, I, I was like floored. My, ma- my fucking jaw dropped open because he's like, it all started in La Paz. And he takes out this fucking postcard and it like zooms in and it transitions to like the scene on the postcard. Like a fuck like like a comic book transition or some shit. The visual storytelling here is so weird because he like comes onto the beach and he's like, uh, "Hey, hey, lady," he's talking to Catherine. This is before they met, and he's like, "Hey, um, I found this postcard. Um, I am using it as an excuse to to say hello and ask you if you want to fuck." And she's like, eh, "Yeah, I like the fucking. I'm painting right now, though. Here, I'll take your postcard." And he's like, eh, "You know." It's not cheating if nobody knows about it. And she's like, I won't tell if you won't. <laughs> she's like, I'm going to go take a dip in the water if you want to join me. And he's like, and, you know, we fell in love fast. And they're like on the beach tumbling around. He's like, everything happened fast with Catherine. And it's like, fucking. So we do this stupid transition into this stupid scene. And then we cut right back to fucking Abby's apartment. And he's like crying on the couch. He's sobbing. I have to guess that whoever asked Daniel Baldwin to cry on camera immediately regretted their decision because this is not crying. It sounded like he was getting ready to laugh the whole time. He's like, uh, and, and then uh, down in Mexico, uh, there was a fire. Uh, my mom, uh, Charles Wells is my dad. So he's crying on the couch explaining all of this. And I'm just going to spare you talking like that for the whole thing. And it's just going to, this is what he basically says to her. He's like, he like goes to murder his dad because his dad killed his mother in a house fire. And she was like a maid that he fucked and got pregnant. And then he was born. And then, so Dean Stockwell, the rich man, Mr. Wells is his fucking dad. And he like goes to murder him at his beach house. He's like, I had a pistol. Yeah. And he goes, and he's about to shoot this motherfucker on his porch. And he sees him smacking the shit. Dean Stockwell smacking the shit out of Catherine. Yeah, he's like, he's like, oh, that's how you do it. You got to prime the hand a little better. And he's like, yep, going to be just like my dad. I'm going to tell. Oh, no. This is where he got it from. Yeah, he sure did. Well, the whole time this woman's getting beaten, she's holding on to this postcard for dear life. And as she's done getting beaten, she just happens to drop it off the fucking two foot balcony. And, uh, you know, he just picks it up and goes, uh, huh. And, you know, and then when he goes on the beach, that's what he says. Like, oh, this was my excuse to give it back to you. Didn't want to interrupt. He made that out to be such a romantic thing earlier when they're in the mausoleum. He's like, oh, you got that postcard when we first met. And I'm like, that was awful. The postcard that's directly tied to trauma. Yeah. (laughs) He's like, I see you kept it. She's like, you won't let me get rid of it. (laughs) (laughs) You better have that postcard in your purse all the time. Where's the postcard? I don't know. Where is it? Don't fuck with me. When he got with Catherine, he found out that this guy's got dirty money. And he's going to, you know, basically he has his accounting book somehow. And he's going to call the IRS on the guy. Well, he said he was, fuck- like, Dean Stockwell's fucking over the IRS, and he had he basically has cooked books, and somehow Daniel Baldwin had access to that. And she goes, wait, you called him on the telephone to blackmail him? He's like, yeah. And he's like, she's like, why don't you just do it in person? And I'm thinking to myself, 
Yeah, Abby, this guy was just about to go murder this guy in cold blood, <laughs> but he won't go talk to him and blackmail him? <laughs> like, to his face? He could have gotten it all done in one visit. Yeah, with the gun and everything. You come to find out that, you know, the deal where he was going to do this money transfer for the blackmail was the same night that he supposedly got blown up. And he was, like, waiting by his computer to, like, do the instant transfer. That was what his plan was, and instead he got drunk and fucking went driving. Yeah, so he was, like, on PayPal, and ready to hit the fucking button, but he never got to his computer, and Dean Stockwell never made the transaction what a lame reason for just like a plot development not happening is like well i was gonna be my computer but i uh forgot uh but i went to the cemetery to see my mom and then got pulled over for a drunk driving it's kind of all my fault really there's no one else to blame but me in this situation <laughs> even though the whole fucking plot of this movie was to me for to get revenge on my mom instead i went to her grave and forgot all about the other plot well he, you know after he breaks all this down for abby they go back to the fucking bank or what have you and they're just waiting for miss Alexander to come out and they're like bullshitting in this convertible and uh you know she comes out and uh oh surprise it's the fucking woman from the beginning that fucking you know got into an accident who I thought had just dropped from the movie until this moment oh my god this this sequence has so much to pull from this because it features a it features a, a Daniel Baldwin special um cuz he jumps out of the car with Abby runs over to this woman's car jumps in and just goes ah <laughs> yeah he's like Abby's like, wait, let's follow her to her house first. And he's like, fuck this shit. Fuck that. I got I got me a woman to yell at. He jumps out of the fucking car and opens the car door and goes, where's Catherine? She's like, who? What? What are you talking about? He grabs her by the arm. He's like, don't fuck with me. Where's Catherine? He's like, I don't have anything else to lose. She's like, okay, she's in fucking La Paz with the, at the fucking bank or some shit. And he's like, I knew it. This woman hits the gas and... I guess because Baldwin's not wearing a seatbelt, he, like, flies backwards. <laughs> he goes unconscious for half a minute. She crashes into this car, and then he hits his... And then he, like, falls forward and hits his face on the dash. And then uh, she jumps out of the car and, like, pulls this fucking old woman <laughs> out of this car and throws her right on the ground. And then she's like, get the fuck out of the car. She jumps in and then she fucking hits the fucking gas and then this giant oh truck my God. just fucking slams into the driver's side and it fucking turns her into mush. Oh, well, okay, it would, but every shot of this car after the impact, there's not even a dummy in the front seat. This car is very visibly empty the entire time. And then, like, as if that's not funny enough, because I'm laughing my ass off, I'm like, there's nobody in that vehicle. <laughs> there's no one in that vehicle. Not even a fucking crash test dummy with a blonde wig. Um... Baldwin runs up to the car, and this thing, one explosion, two explosion, three explosion, four explosion. This car blows up, like, 18 times. It was fucking great. Whoop! And even as the car's exploding, there's no one in the front seat. There must have been, like, four cameras on this goddamn thing, because each cut is, like, right before it explodes each time. He dives on the ground, and then he gets up and fucking, like, backwards rolls into, uh, Abby's fucking convertible, and he's like, come on, after him! So there, so he fucking jumps into the back of her Jeep, and they take off and she's basically like oh we're fucked you know she's dead you know we don't have a witness we don't have the photographs and she's like we got to get to Catherine because she has the photographs and then uh you know he's he's in the car and he like Abby has another like rationalization like you know do you think that uh Catherine's fucking you over here and he's like no no, she wouldn't do that. She loves me. And then I guess they drive to a private fucking uh, airport or something? I guess that's what this is. It's like right on the border. It's this private airport, this airfield. And then Abby explains to him that, like, 
this guy she like did a favor for, like got him his green card, uh, owes her a favor, and he'll drive, you know, he'll fly her him to La Paz by the morning. This is the where their fucking relationship kind of comes to a head, and he's like, "Oh, you really care about me, don't you?" And she's like, "No," and she's like, "Yes, you do. Come here, kiss me, baby." And they start making out, and she's like, "No, not like this." And he's like, "Okay." Later we'll talk. Bye. And then just gets out of the car and fucking, like, rips open a fence and then goes under this bridge and, like, sees these motherfuckers, like, singing Kumbaya or some shit. I I, I don't know if this is political commentary or just a bad joke from the 90s, but he fucking bumps into, like, literally people fleeing Mexico into America. And then there's, like, he he comes across this father and son singing in Spanish and are huddled over a fire. And Daniel Ball walks up and speaks the language he has claimed three times to not speak. Even though shitty language, by the way, his words. Even though I love my mom who is Spanish, I don't get that part of this character. It's a self-hating half-Spanish person. I Guess, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's like denial or self-loathing. Um, get some information from these people that we don't know because there's no subtitles, and then just kind of fucking wanders off. We get this shot of what I can only imagine is like a really famous port in Mexico, and then uh, an airplane, and it's that guy dropping him off in La Paz, I guess. He's like, thanks, buddy. See ya. Tell Abby I said hello. Yeah, give my love to Abby. Bye. And then I guess they just fly away, and he goes into La Paz, and he runs to the bank, and he runs in and he's like talk, speaking Spanish to the teller and he's asking for he's like he's like Catherine he- uh, Wells and he's like no senor by the way this is a scene after he just spoke Spanish yeah and then like this other guy comes up and he's speaking English he's like Catherine Catherine Wells was she here and he's like yeah you just missed her this morning and he's like ah shit he's like do you know do you, did she say where she was going and he's like Nope, she did not tell me where she was going. Well, then he goes to, he goes to what I can only assume is Wells's old house that they used to live at that he burned down. I thought this was the one where he saw him slapping the shit out of fucking what's her face. No, I think that's the one in San Diego. This is the one that you know he used to live with apparently you know because that's the whole you know thing they don't ever actually explain it's just heavily implied that he lived in la paz with this uh wells guy you know father character and his mother yeah but like he goes to the burned down house it's got like fucking you know planks of wood closing it off and he's having like a flashback to the fire with an overlay of his mom laughing with a fire behind her yeah the flashbacks where it shows charles wells like holding him there Wells appears to be the same age and is wearing the same Hawaiian shirt in the fucking flashback. <laughs> they shot all of Dean's scenes in one day. Well, you know, he, he goes to his old burned out house and gets all depressed. And then he just goes into town and just starts having fucking drinks at a local bar. He's eating fucking tortillas and getting shit faced. Oh, yeah. He's really got a sense of urgency here. Like all hope is lost. And then he remembers Dean Stockwell kicking it on his fucking boat. <laughs> And he's just like, oh, yeah, the boat. And he gets up. This boat is a fucking enigma. <laughs> How many floors are on this thing? <laughs> Dude, the fucking brig of this ship, or the bow of this ship is like fucking six levels. It, you get a front shot of this boat, and it just looks like a, a like a regular like speedboat. Like a luxury model, sure, but not pretty, pretty standard. Yeah, and then Baldwin gets in this thing, and there's like a fucking living room and a den, and there's an upper story, there's there's an upper deck, and there's a lower deck. <laughs> it's, it's a fucking yacht, right? And there's like a lower deck where there's like, you know, there's like a, a, a mini bar and like kitchen and places to like lie, like a bed and shit. And it's, you know, a luxury boat, but it's not like, it's not a fucking 
uh, you know, cruise liner. You know what I mean? The way this this boat is designed, if you were to look at it, like, just from how we see it from the inside, like, if you saw it from underwater, it just must be this big fucking shaft that just goes right down into the water at, like, a ridiculous level. It must go down, like, 60 feet. You know, and we're, we're saying this, you know, it, it'll... It'll all become clear momentarily, but, uh, you know, he sneaks onto this boat, fucking rolls in there. <laughs> he grabs the bars and, like, parkours into the boat. Yeah, no one hears him. Boat doesn't even fucking shift in the water. I was thinking of this. I was like, wow, he's pretty nimble for fucking drinking an entire bottle of vodka <laughs> or uh, tequila. He's only at 100% when he's drunk. <laughs> That's how he gets straight. By drinking? He, he he sneaks up on the boat, and uh, he, he kind of, like, slinks up against one of the walls, and he just happens to see Catherine talking to somebody, he's, and she's like, you know, here, you know, here's the money. And, uh, you know, you just see kind of, like, a gun pointing from off screen, and then, you know, he, he pokes his head around the corner, and it's like, oh, my God, Wells is alive. Dun, dun, dun. And he has the same fucking shirt on. Same shirt, same pants, same hair. Baldwin finds Catherine and Dean Stockwell on the boat. She has the money that she's taken out, the $10 million. He's got her at gunpoint, and we hear the conversation about Catherine giving him the money for the photos because Dean Stockwell faked his own death and then, I guess, employed Miss Alexander. Basically, to put Baldwin on this goose chase, you know, but actually he just wanted him to sit in jail, and, you know, apparently he was going to be giving him the money or some fucking cockamamie bullshit anyway. Yeah, because he was like, oh, you were supposed to be safe in jail while I finished this. Which, like, then why didn't they tell him that? And that's why I think that's just, like, a total crock of shit. Yeah, because then it's like, okay, so Catherine and Dean Stockwell are both... They're, like, both in on it. But they're both in on it, but they both have their own things because he's going to help Bald... Like, Dean Stockwell's going to help Baldwin and then, I guess, kill Catherine? I guess what is he... He fakes his death because he doesn't want to get, you know, blackmailed over the IRS thing. Okay, he fakes his death by getting a body double or something. It's any convincing body double, but they're like, well, the evidence they had to prove it was Charles Wells was that they found his engagement ring on him. I'm like, you mean they found the metal engagement ring that was likely fused to that corpse's body because it was engulfed in a fucking 30-foot fireball? How about dental records, you fucking idiots? Yeah, like, what What do you mean that was the only identifying factor? That was, what did you do? Did you pick up a severed arm and goes, hmm, here we go, Charles Wells, no need to do any other work. The caveat to that, too, was that they knew, you know, Catherine was going to be the one to identify the body, and, you know, she would just lie. She can't recognize the body. She even says that. The only way she knew it was him was because of the ring on his finger. Purely, like, a coroner's perspective and, like, identifying this body properly, wouldn't they run the dental records? Uh, yeah, and, you know, you gotta remember, Joe, these are the Ted Bundy police. These are the guys that they, you know, they thought I'm locked <laughs> <laughs> They had him in a fucking library with not a guard on him. Uh, we, we faxed Daniel Baldwin's picture all the way across the country, but it didn't get there in time for him to change his face. He doesn't speak Spanish. So Catherine comes up on deck, and Daniel Bowling grabs her, and he's like, what the fuck's going on here? And she's like, I, t- I was getting the pictures to come clear your name or whatever, and I love you. I could have put you in jail any time, but I didn't because I want to be together. Doesn't that sound like love to you? It's love, I'm telling you. And Daniel Baldwin's like, 
what the fuck are you talking about? And then look in here. I was going to do this. And she pulls out a fucking like revolver, uh, snub, snub nose revolver. And she's like, I was going to shoot him. But then she's pointing it at Daniel Baldwin first. And then Dean Stockwell comes up on deck with like the whole briefcase full of money. Like, was that part of her ruse to make him like be off guard because she's pointing at a ball one? I was because like, yeah, she's pointing a ball one and like Wells comes up. He's like, Catherine, what are you doing? Stop, like, put that gun down in regards to pointing it, like, at at Baldwin, as if to say, like, there's no reason for him to get hurt in this situation. Then why did you motherfuckers set him up in the first place if the long game was not to hurt him? I don't know. And he's like, don't shoot my son. You are supposed to be safe in jail. And I'm like, what the fuck stupid plan is this? And she just is like, okay, I'll shoot you instead. And just like right in the gut. It's almost like a Mr. Orange. Like, you know, like you're not getting up from that. You're not getting, you're not standing back up, let alone doing anything he does the rest of the film. Because by the way, guys. No, he fucking Kylo Ren's the fuck out of this. You know, she shoots him. She blows him away. And fucking Rick's sitting there looking like he just lost a friend. Why'd you have to kill him? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she goes from that to, you know, like acting like, oh, you know, she wants to make this work. You know, you got to trust me to like literally the next scene. She's dividing the money up and is like, all right. So this is like a business transaction. You can get half. Yeah. Well, no, that was the original plan. They were going to split it. They were going to split the 10 million. Right. So and then they kind of like air quoted fell in love. I, yeah. And he's like, she's like, here's your half of money and your pictures. Bye. And he's like, wait a minute. I don't want the money. And she's like, okay, well, you should take it anyway. I'm leaving. Bye. And she just goes. She gets into a fucking taxi. Yeah. She's like, this isn't going to work out, is it? And he just sits there. She's like, huh. Okay. I got a cab. She's like, well, I have lots of money now, so bye. (laughs) She just fucks off. No consequences. She just leaves. Well, she kills a legally dead man, so fuck it. I guess it's implied that, like, Daniel Baldwin is like, I know that motherfucker's not dead, so let's go. Well, he sees, like, a blood trail, and then he all of a sudden is, like, in, in, you know, Ethan Hunt mode again, and he's fucking chasing him into this fucking factory that's under the uh, fucking top (laughs) level of the ship. Where? Where where Charles Wells has turned into a final boss and now has a grenade launcher. He t- <laughs> he turns into Mr. X. He fucking he's got a grenade launcher. He's got a grenade launcher. He so 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 Daniel Baldwin goes in with this little fucking <laughs> snub nose revolver and he's like he's like hey Dean Stockwell you in here and fucking Dean comes out of a closet. In the sub-basement of this fucking... Here's daddy. And he fucking shoots a grenade into the side of the fucking boat and blows a hole in it? What is this boat made out of? Corkboard? Why the fuck did that shell not just go off inside of there? It didn't explode. It just blows a hole in it like it was a giant bullet. It just blows a little... It goes thunk and goes right to the fucking wall and then water starts pouring in. I'm like, if the boat is made of the same material as that wall, this thing should have sank ages ago. It's like he shot a fucking bullet bill out of it and it went right through the fucking hull. Well, he does that, and then, you know, Baldwin, you know, he wrestles the fucking gun out of his hand, and then, you know, this guy picks up a rubber-ass-looking fucking axe off the wall. By the way, why is this fight happening? Catherine shot him. Daniel didn't do anything. I know, and he's trying to kill him, and I'm like, why is he trying to kill him? And Dean Stockwell's a nimble little motherfucker, man, because he's swinging this axe around, kicking fucking Daniel Baldwin in the dick and shit. And then I guess some oil gets spilt on the water or something? He knocks Baldwin into a corner, and he hits, like, the, like, the, whatever's, like, holding a barrel of gas, like, steady, hits it, and it falls on Baldwin, but it's, it, like, it's, we're torso full of water. 
this thing hits the water, so, like, it's it's floating, and he's like, ah, ugh, and it's acting like it's crushing him. Well, then, you know, then that oil spills, and he lights, like, the top level of the water on fire, and then on top of that, he's got this thing fucking, you know, bringing him down to the bottom level, you know, but to the floor. So he's pinned underneath this fucking barrel, and water's pouring in, and he's, like, he's slowly, like, not being able to breathe because he's he's gonna drown and fucking dean stockwell throws the axe down he's like i had it all planned out and you were safe in jail too bad and he fucking lights a lighter and fucking sets everything on fire and then just leaves so you know he starts drowning he's got this thing pinned on him he's like zero chance gonna push it off of him and he magically grabs his rubber axe and just starts fucking you know taking away part of the wall with it and just, again, squeezes in like Santa Claus. Like Winnie the fucking Pooh, man. Which, by the way, this this also says more about the structural integrity of this boat. Like, he, he busts this open with his bare fucking hands at some point. He's like, yeah, I can just peel this back. Look, he is underwater, holding an axe with a barrel on top of him, and with a gun in the other hand, and he pushes this fucking axe through this hull and somehow manages to rip a fucking fat Daniel Baldwin hole enough that he can, like, swim out of the side of this boat? He holds his breath for, like, ten minutes while he does this. I would love to see somebody break the hull of a ship with an axe while underwater. And then crawl through it and not get the sides of their body ripped up by the fiberglass. (laughs) Exactly! Or the metal? (laughs) Like, what? So he swims to the surface and then, like gets up onto the dock and Dean Stockwell's just walking around with a bloody fucking hole in him and a, and the briefcase full of money. And then they have a completely civil conversation. What the fuck is going on? Well, you know, Dan- Daniel Baldwin comes up and is like, because he has like a bit of a freak out moment with that fire on the water. And he's like, you killed mom. You burned the house down. He's like, uh, I, you know, I didn't mean to do that. He's like, you, you made me stay at your place that night. You knew. He's like, well, I couldn't lose you, too. And then, I, I guess he puts the money down or something, and Daniel Baldwin just, like, spike kicks it in the water? Yeah, he just fucking kicks it off the dock. Bullet in my chest, and uh, even if that water went under, like, even if that money went underwater, that's, what, $5 million? Yeah. <laughs> I would have I jumped right in. I'm jumping in that fucking water. You ca- I would have pushed Daniel Baldwin's <laughs> fat ass out of the way and dove into the goddamn bay. E- even though he has a gun on me, I'd still at least make the attempt. He also, Dean Stockwell also says something like, I didn't want you to become me, so I was trying to save you. And I'm like, this doesn't even make any sense. Like, there's no motive for why he killed the mom, but he did. And then he he says the mother's name and something. What, what, what does he say? Martha. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel Baldwin says, never say my mother's name. He has, like, the gun pressed up to his temple. Why do say that name? Never use Martha and love in the same sentence. He's like, I thought I could save you. And he's like, save me? He's like, you're fucking pathetic. There's no fallout from this. No one gets arrested. No no phone calls are made. Um, you don't see, you don't, the boat doesn't sink again. Um, Catherine's, Catherine's fucking gone. And then we just slam cut to everything's fine. They show the beach and then it zooms out and it's the postcard. And he's just like, in front of his mother's grave. Sutton's there, and she's basically saying, yeah, you know, your father, we got the paperwork together, he's gonna be going away for a long time. By the way, you're cleared. Aren't you glad this all happened off screen? Cherry on top, 
I got rid of that DUI you had. <laughs> Even though you escaped from jail and you're a convict. I didn't get rid of your escape from prison, the property damage you caused, the break and entering, the car theft. Uh, the whole IRS scheme that you were a part of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the $10 million <laughs> that's just missing. So yeah, he, um, Sutton's there and she's like, get rid of the DUI. And she's like, your wife is cool. You're real lucky. I wish I can have a wife like that. He's like, it's not even my wife yet, but okay. And then she just walks down the hill. And then Abby comes up the hill. And he's like, wow, you look beautiful. And she's like, really? Thanks. He's like, I am. I'm three sheets to the fucking wind, baby. There's no other place I'd rather be than right here. And she's like, really? Prove it. And he's like, how do do I do that? You can quit drinking. No, she doesn't say that. She's like, hold my hand. He's like, easy enough. <laughs> then they walk off into the fucking sunset, and then that's the movie. And then we get a post credit scene of fucking Coolio back at the prison. Officer Coolio, man. Oh, there is? I, I certainly didn't stick around for this. Well, then you miss Coolio, get the fucking Lopez fucking... Uh, postcard. <laughs> you know, postcard. It says, ah, you know, because earlier in the film, Coolio, you know, he says something along the lines to uh, Baldwin, like, ah, you know, you're a friend. I like to keep tabs on you. Like, I like, you know, keep in touch. And he basically responds with a similar thing. And, uh, you know, towards Coolio, like, you're my friend. I want to keep connected. And Coolio has, like, a fucking pep in his step and his uh, smirk on his face. He's like, oh, man. That Rick Alvarez, what a fucking guy. Fucking tear rolls down his face, and then he's just like, oh, here goes, here's the real credits. So this was an experience. That's, you know what, kind of that is how I would explain it. It is entertaining as fuck. There was never one time where I was like, I'm, b- I'm bored. I was choking on laughter at some point during the beginning of this because, like, it's just, like, I think it was dying when he was first got pulled over in the DUI. Like, I was, I couldn't control myself. It was the fucking fart saxophone for me. And then, like, when fu- when Dean Stockwell has the fucking grenade launcher, I screamed. I was like, this movie fucking rules. <laughs> like, this movie, it's, it's not even a ton of fun, but, like, it's totally like it's quirky as hell i would i would totally watch this again at some point i i made a joke earlier uh, in the chat um like was this ghost written by tommy wiseau because it has some room-esque qualities to it and those are and they're kind of endearing because like everything is really badly written poorly shot poorly edited poorly acted everything is incompetent but everybody's taking it seriously especially daniel everyone's taking it dead seriously so where are we putting this i'm gonna say shelf i just listed all the reasons why i would put in the shelf right there it's it's fucking it's schlocky stupid campy nonsense and i love it uh yeah this is definitely a shelf for me i'm surprised i don't own this already i've never even fucking heard of this well i'm sure there's like a litany of daniel baldwin direct to video shit that we've never seen or heard of well you know if you if you want to find a copy of it on dvd uh Apparently, it's under a different name, but only on DVD, from what I could find. It's called Rules of the Game. Uh, it's on eBay. Yeah, I was a little, I was a little let down at first because I thought this was a Coolio, Daniel Baldwin buddy cop movie. But then I was present, pleasantly surprised with the litany of horseshit that follows the intro to this. Um, this is like, this is like a contemporary version of Hard Ticket to Hawaii. I mean, it's definitely not as good as that movie but um it's pretty fucking funny it's filled with ludicrous ash set pieces uh explosions uh overacting bad acting stupid plots and it's got fucking daniel baldwin coolio and dean stockwell in it you can't go wrong um you know (laughs) (laughs) here it comes this is a dumpster movie for sure uh you know what 
I, I went back and I, I, I re-listened to uh, yesterday's Target before we did this, which was, you know, like I mentioned earlier in the show, another Daniel Baldwin film we did early in uh, the show's conception. And, uh, you know, I said that movie was actually, you know, about elbow deep in the dumpster and you get a, you know, you get the heroin needle stuck in your arm. It's like you're kind of in that ballpark. <laughs> Uh, I, I don't think this movie is with the heroin needles, but it is, you know, it's it's in that territory that I don't mention uh, as often, probably the baby diaper area. Mm. Um, you know, it's it's definitely above yesterday's target for me personally, but it's still a dumpster movie. A homeless man's using it for a pillow. The funny thing about that, Connor, is the homeless man is actually Daniel Baldwin, and, he, you know... <laughs> and he's playing his fucking guitar singing Spanish songs? Uh, yeah, tears running down his face. So that's it. That's In Pursuit from 2000, directed by Peter Pistor. Hey, everybody, if you want some more bad movie goodness, you can check us out at moviedumpsterpodcast.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, or Podbean, and make sure to leave us a five-star review if you dig the show, because it helps us get out of the bottom of the dumpster into more eardrums. Yeah, and if you're on the social medias, you can follow us at Movie Dumpster on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you want to support indie comic books, you can head over to Indiegogo.com and look up the project Fishtown. That's by our buddy Dave DeForn, who does all the artwork for the show. Uh, you want to support indie comics. I'm Joel Escola. Uh, I'm Sean O'Rourke. I'm Connor McGraw. Thanks for visiting the dumpster.